Are you ready? 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 25. Here we are. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim, which means that he established himself in Shechem. He dwelt there. And from thence went out and built Peniel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. Fear. This is fear. He's concerned. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much. Everyone say too much. You're going to have to answer that for yourself. It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem, he said. It's too much for you to go up there. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. This is an old trick. And he set the one in Bethel and the other in he in Dan. And they chose Dan. This thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before one of those golden calves in Dan. That was an easier place even than Bethel. Here's the last verse I'll read to you in context. Jeroboam made a house of high places, and he made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. Too much. He said, it's too much for you to go up. Amen. Now, Father, we need your help tonight. Just give me clarity of thought. Let me speak what you spoke to me so that the word could be revealed and realized by the hearer and the people. Let all of us, my heart, be changed by your word. In Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. If you'll put your Bibles down behind you and lift up hands and voices and your mouth and your words to God. We give you praise tonight, Lord. We give you praise and glory, Lord. Somebody say his name again. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. I want your name over my life. I want your name over my home. I need your name over this moment right now, Lord. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. Thank you for standing. History. Young people. History. All the college and career age people. History. It teaches more than just what happened in the past. History. History speaks to our future. There is no change in tomorrow until we understand about the things of yesterday. I'll offer a small Bible lesson here tonight about the history of Israel and the mimic of Pentecost. If you can... Captivate your mind. Put your cell phones away. 
bring in attention every thought. Think about the moment that Solomon died. That great king of wisdom. Wealth beyond imagination. His son that was supposed to succeed him, his name is Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the next in line to be king. But Rehoboam did not conduct himself as his father or grandfather. He was ruthless among the people. He was oppressive. He certainly didn't trust in Yahweh or that the Lord could protect the kingdom. So the kingdom was split. And one of the main leaders of Solomon, who was a young man at the time, was placed also as a king by God in the northern part. His name is Jeroboam. They sound alike. Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Their names are similar. Jeroboam and Rehoboam. They're not brothers. Jeroboam could have been a righteous man, but jealousy entered his heart. He was given most of the land. He was in charge of most of the tribes of Israel. Ten to be exact. But when a person reaches a position of power, oft times they become fearful of losing it. They say one of the first objectives of a politician that's been elected is to get reelected. Rehoboam was no servant leader himself. He didn't have compassion on the people he led, but he did occupy the city of Jerusalem. Let's just review. Jeroboam is in the north. He's the king over ten tribes. Rehoboam is in Judah, the southern part. He lives in the city of Jerusalem. He's the only, he's the king of only two tribes, but the temple is in the south. It's in Jerusalem. And the true altar of the Lord is in Jerusalem. Jeroboam is in the north with many, but no altar. Rehoboam is in the south with few, and yet Jerusalem and the altar are there. Jeroboam could have done well for himself. In fact, a prophet gave him a word from the Lord saying, if you do whatever I command you, walk in my ways, do what's right in my eyes, keep my statutes and my commandments. And if you do it as David did it, I'll, I'll be with you. I'll build you a dynasty as enduring as the one I built for David. I will give you Israel. But Jeroboam was afraid. He found a position and his main priority was to keep it. Are you still with me? He was afraid that if the people from the north ever went to Jerusalem to worship and offer a sacrifice, that the heart of the people would turn away from him and toward Jerusalem and to Rehoboam. He was afraid that he would lose the people. That if they made the journey upward, somewhere along that arduous path, if they made the journey, they would no longer see him as the king. Jerusalem is located in a mountainous range, and to get there walking or even riding if they could, which, could, which few could afford, meant time and effort. Jeroboam believed that if they made the trip and brought their sacrifices all that way, then they would turn away from him and reject him as the new king. They'd have a change of heart, and he could not have it. He could not stand to think that after what was given to him, it all could fall apart. It could be in jeopardy because of the temple and the altar was in Jerusalem. And he did not occupy that place. So Jeroboam, in his ill-conceived plan, decided to make his own altars. And he made them in a place that was, are you ready? Convenient. He made them close by the people so that no one had to make that long journey upward toward Jerusalem. He gave them an option. 
They never had it before. It was an option of convenience, nearness, a suitable substitute, he thought. They brought similar sacrifices of sheep and oxen and goats. But Jeroboam must have known that he could not fully mimic the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem. So he made worship and the sacrifice similar, but he changed the God to gold. Gold looks good. Made them feel good. They were still singing. They had the warmth and the feeling of worship. Maybe they were still dancing. They had people to operate the altars, but the temple of Jerusalem demanded separation from those who operated, not so in the north. Jeroboam made a house of priests of the lowest of the people, the Bible says, which had not lived a separated life. None of them came from the sons of Levi, which was after the order of the Lord. You see, Jeroboam's church was ran by people who were not required to live a holy life. Anyone could sing in their choir. Anybody could preach. Anyone could teach. Anyone could lead any department, the children's department, the youth department, the young marriage departments. They, they may have actually sang the same songs as those sang, sung in Jerusalem. They may have been singing the songs that David wrote a few decades before. They certainly made sacrifices like Jerusalem. Festivals and feasts and lambs were all elements found in both places. It almost had the feeling of Jerusalem. But Jeroboam's altars were visual gold. The gods of this world all given the same attention as the God of Israel. Devotion, praise, worship, music, sacrifices, so similar but so far apart. The people were deceived. They were misled by a leader who caught them in a hook of convenience. He said in his heart, I'm going to lose them. If I let them taste the real thing, I'm going to lose them. He said, I'll lose the kids and the youth and the young married and the older folks and, and the grandfathers. and the gran I'll lose the people. I'll, I'll lose all of them as a whole if I allow them to experience Jerusalem. i got to keep them away from Jerusalem. And Jeroboam determined in his mind to keep them far away from that city and that altar at all costs. Whatever he could do, he had to do it. It was imperative to make worship easy and praise effortless. Notwithstanding, convenient sacrifice is an oxymoron. Jeroboam mastered the art of worship without demand. He mastered the art of praise without requirement. He made the first seeker-friendly church in history. It was no longer about God. It was certainly not about living a holy life. It was about the people and how they felt. He wanted it to be seeker-friendly. And to hook them sufficiently, he appealed to their sense of self. And he said, it's too much. He promoted things that were close. Convenience, ladies and gentlemen, is a killer. It separates us from commitment and righteousness. And Jeroboam knew what he was doing. He bound them up, tied them with chains with convenience. It became appealing and restricting all at the same time. Jeroboam was the first leader to say, you don't have to do that to be saved. You don't have to do all that stuff to be saved. You don't have to live a separated life to go to heaven. You don't have to live separate to be used in the church. Look, we worship here. 
We sing the same songs they sing over there. We teach and preach just as everybody else. We have an altar. Jeroboam said, look, it's too much to go all the way up that mountain. He said, Jerusalem is a far distance away. It's upward. It's in the mountain range. It's long. It's a long way to travel. Look, we have priests here. Why go there when you can do essentially the same thing here? And he deceived them into believing that truth could be found anywhere. He killed obedience and replaced it with intention. Ah. And the Bible says that this thing became a sin to the people because it doesn't matter how close it is to the real thing. It was not the real thing. It really doesn't matter after all is said and done. It won't matter how similar the songs are or how, 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 how the teaching reverberates in the ears. Truth stands alone. It has no equivalent. None. It has no competition. As it is with God. As it is with God who said, is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God I know not any. Who said, I, even I, am the Lord. And beside me there is no Savior. As it is with he who formed the worlds. And then he proclaimed, I am the Lord that maketh all things. That stretcheth forth the heavens alone. That spreadeth abroad the earth by himself, by myself. As it is with him who is distinct and unique and incomparable. So it is with his truth. There is no substitute, no imitation, no copy no replica that can ever match it just as he is the Lord alone there is only one truth it's only one truth I'm going to tell you Pentecost is more than just speaking in other tongues Pentecost is more than just speaking in other tongues we got Passover which really means Pesach and Passover was when they celebrated getting out of Egypt Passover is when they celebrated that the angel of death, if I could call it that, the Bible doesn't say the angel of death, but just an angel that, that brought death in his hands, where the angel passed over the houses because it's, he saw the blood on the doorpost of the outside of the house, and every house that had blood on the outside, the angel of death and the tenth plague passed over their homes and did not visit, he did not bring death. That was the Passover. And you ask any Jewish family on the Passover night, what makes this night different from every other night? In the, in, the, in the year and they'll say this is the night that the angel of death passed over their homes and 50 days later after the angel of death passed over their homes and they crossed over the Red Sea 50 days later they stood at Mount Sinai and the people the church in the wilderness looked up and Moses walked down with the law and the tablets of stone he brought down the way they ought to live that was Pentecost Pentecost is Sinai. Passover is Egypt. And at Pentecost, God said, I'm going to write a new law in your heart. I'm going to take out that stony heart. I'm going to put in a heart of flesh. Pentecost is more than just speaking other tongues. It's a new way of living. It's a new way of life. It's not just talking in tongues. It's the Holy Ghost writing a new law in your heart. Hey! Don't let anyone tell you that Pentecost is just about clapping and shouting and dancing. Yes, it's all of that. It's way more than that. 
In fact, that is just like the icing on the cake. Pentecost is saying, I'm going to forge in you a brand new life. I'm going to raise you up from that dead state that you were in. You died, you're buried, and Pentecost is the resurrection. I'll tell you what Hebrews tells us about it. Hebrews says it this way. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man... Nobody's going to see the Lord without holiness. I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't care if they erase it from the bylaws of the church. I don't care if entire or church organizations erase holiness. Nobody's going to see the Lord without holiness. I don't care if you decide that you're going to vote on it and you vote it out. Nobody's going to see the Lord without holiness. In the last days which are these days, there will be replicas of Pentecost. They will have similar things, but there is something they'll leave out every time. It's the journey to Jerusalem that's a high place. It separates, it's separation from the world. You see, in Dan, where they all went, the leaders were of the lowest. They didn't have any standards. No affiliation with a holy life. It was the function without anointing. Churches can have function without anointing. It was a church without truth. <laughs> I'm compelled. Listen, all of my new believers in the house, get in closer every day that you can. Wherever you found the Lord, don't stay there. Just move in a little closer. Because if you don't move in a little closer, you'll fall out. When you fall out, you'll damage yourself. You don't want to do that. All of my new, new, new believers have just been baptized. And you've just been serving the Lord a few months or a few years. Hear me. You just get closer to the Lord every day. Every day. It's not a competition with you and someone else in the church. You just get closer to God. You seek the Lord a little bit. I hope nobody thinks that they've attained everything. Or if you've reached some destination, I'm still learning more about the Lord. Whenever you come to the... Hear me. Whenever you come to the place where you think you have nothing left to learn you're in serious trouble everybody's got something to learn you got to get closer to god make stronger commitments i'll tell you why because the world is pressing and the world is pushing and if you don't get closer to god you'll get pushed out ah clap your hands unto the lord i know you believe that you've got to believe it I got to preach to somebody. I don't know who it is. I got to preach to somebody. The world will lie to you. But it's not just the world. It's people who knew the truth. Last year, a person said to me, it cut my heart. They said, my Christianity is different from your Christianity. I was stunned. Because the problem with that remark is that I don't have my own version of Christianity. All I have is the scripture. All I have is this God-breathed word written by men, authored by the Lord. I tell you tonight, it's not too much. Whatever the cost is to be separate from the world, it's not too much. It's not too much to build an altar, and the altar is right with truth. It's not too much to go to Jerusalem. It's not too much. That's a lie of the devil. Whatever it costs you to get to a real altar where the gospel is preached and where the one God message is delivered, that's the thing you've got to do. That's why Paul was scratching his head and he wrote to the, to the church and he said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and told you the gospel unto another gospel, which be not a gospel, but there be some that, that would trouble you. And then he said, and who would pervert the gospel of Christ? Can you imagine in the church? There are people who are perverting the truth. 
Don't be deceived. There's always going to be replica Pentecostals. And you'll almost always, no, not always, you'll usually know if they're the real thing. You see, the fakes almost always lead by the lowest common denominator. Their message is, don't be judgmental. We're all sinners. So it doesn't matter what we do. (laughs) They are men and women who are not called. They're hired. You don't want to go to a church where you hire the preacher and you hire the teacher. You don't want that. You don't want that. Because then you can fire them if you don't like what they're preaching. But what if that preacher or that teacher is teaching the truth and it convicts your life and it kind of cuts something away in you? Then what are you going to do? And that's why thousands of congregations go through ministers left and right. Why? Because he starts to teach the truth and they say, ooh, that bothers me. See, you'll always know them because they're trying to build a name for themselves and in doing so they almost always reject holiness Jerusalem is a high place but it's not too much and don't be tricked by gold Jeroboam made gods of gold don't be deceived by prosperity (laughs) preachers and religions that boast of material wealth but have no holiness let me just tell you they're powerless What we have cannot be bought with money, ladies and gentlemen. No. Truth is not measured by how much someone has in their personal bank account. Sound sound doctrine is not validated by the gods of gold. I'm reaching for Jerusalem tonight. I'm reaching for that city set on a hill. I'm reaching for things that are spiritual and the cost is never too much. Listen, I grieve over this. I've lost good friends. Not to drugs, not to addictions. They didn't fail in their marriage. I've lost good friends. But I lost them to the replicas of Pentecost. I lost them to convenient Christianity. I lost them to worldliness and flesh and carnality. But they still sing, some of them still preach. Most of them still go to a church, but they have altars with gods of gold and gods of convenience and gods of flesh. I've lost them. Hear me. I'm not happy about it. I never say I told you so. It grieves my heart. It it strickens me. It burdens me. But they left the doctrine of holiness. And when they left the doctrine of holiness, it moved them away from the doctrine of baptism in Jesus' name. It's a big word, but let me just give it to you. It's called deconstructionism. And they deconstructed all the doctrines and tore down all the traditions and took out all the pulpits and they, and they put a little stand there and they put a little rug and, and they put their boxer and they put their, and they put their, their, their flip flops on and they, and they untucked their shirts and they said, ties are no good and, and we don't have to have all this tradition and they kicked out everything. Listen, I'm not saying that you're going to heaven because you wear a tie, but they, they abandoned everything that they were taught and in time they rejected Jesus named baptism. Which is the only way people were baptized in the Bible. And it didn't stop there. It never stops there. And one thing leads to another until Jerusalem looked bothersome and annoying to them. Hear me. When they gave up holiness, they also gave up the Godhead, the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. And once that happens, I've seen it. 
they learn to despise the very people they once embraced. The very message that they preached was absolute. Now they defame. Hear me. They were either lying then or they're lying now. I don't know who's understanding this. All I got to tell you, stay in the church. Live a separated life. You got to get to Jerusalem. I don't care how far the journey is. It's not too much. You got to get to the altar. I don't care how far away the altar is. You got to get there. I don't care if you got to carry that sacrifice. It's not too much to live a holy life. Here, pastor, tonight, we got to be separate from the world. The world is pressing against us. My mom and dad didn't have enough money for the cereal box, but I do remember going over to Larry's house and seeing the cereal boxes, and it had the pictures of the, of the, Olympic, of the Olympians on the cereal box, and they had all kinds of pictures of athletes. And I can remember, I don't know if it was the exact guy, but I remember Bruce Jenner on the cereal box. He was on the cereal box, and there he was. He was, a, he was a five-time triathlon or something like that, and he won the gold, and everybody cheered for him. Now you're not allowed to call him Bruce Jenner. Now you got to call him by his female name Caitlin and they and they and they cheer him on hear me the world thinks that's normal and everything that's good has now been turned to evil and everything that's evil has now been turned to good you better get in the church because it's the only place where you're going to be safe and saved hey I hope I'm preaching to somebody you gotta live holy Hey, you gotta live holy because you don't know here, Pastor. You don't know where that road leads. When you get tangled up with the replica. I, sp I still speak in tongues. Okay, I'm so glad because the gifts and calling of God were without repentance. He's not gonna take it away from you. You just exercise that spirit. But did you follow the leading of the spirit? But did you follow the leading of the Spirit? Well, I, I, I still believe in God, yes, but do you believe in His Word? Is His Word? Or is God just some elusive thing? Or did you make God a God of gold and, and a God of wealth and a God of, God of jobs? And you're thinking, hey, I'm going to go to a church that's successful. What does that mean? A church that's successful is not a church that has money. It's a church that's pure and holy and ready to meet the, the Lord in the rapture. See, once all that happens, it's not just awkward, but then you become hateful and you sneer, oh, and then you mock holiness, the thing you once embraced, then you mock it. And now those replicas scorn the very place they once embraced. And they'll say, you're just all bound with unnecessary yokes. Hear me, they've written books and articles. Don't search for it. It's online. They'll take an anecdotal thing, some story of someone wounding them, some hypocrite, and they'll, they'll throw into the cauldron all the wonderful teachings and doctrines with that person that was a hypocrite. And they'll say, look at all these things. That man preached the truth and look where he's at now. Hear me. A person doesn't val validate the truth. 
I hope everyone has character, but the character of the preacher is never going to lessen the holy word of God. The Lord stands alone. Come here, hear me. Buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth and sell it not. You get a hold of this and don't let it go. I don't care if your best friend backslides. I don't care if your parents leave God. I don't care if your husband or your wife decides it. I'm not going to live this way anymore. You got to hold on to it. You got to hold on to truth because Jerusalem is the only place. It's a high place. It's a higher holy place. Help me now. Ah, come on, somebody clap your hands. I know the Lord is in this house. Listen, I'm not trying to preach against old friends, but I want you to know they're miserable. They're miserable. I see them around the country. They call me on the phone every once in a while. I've met some old friends long before I was married. And they'll call me on the phone and they'll say, Jeffrey, what are you doing? I've seen you online. I've seen your church. How is that working? And I said, it's the Holy Ghost. And I told one of them to remember where you came from. And she said to me, I know that's my tribe. I don't know how to get back there. But my husband don't want to come back. I want to tell you, once you leave this, it's hard to get back in it it's not because the lord won't let you back in it it's because you developed a lifestyle and that lifestyle led you to dan and it led you away from jerusalem it led you into convenience hear me convenience will steal all your commitment and all your passion here's the lord here's the scripture i embrace the call paul wrote but this i confess unto thee read it now that after the way which they call heresy that's how i worship the god of my fathers you call it heresy i call it the way come on say it. they call it heresy we call it the way come on somebody say they call it nonsense i call it the way they call it just they they just call it superficial and supplemental i call it there is one way and it's the only way it's the way called holiness it's a god holy it's a holy people i say to everybody you got to live a holy life preach a little bit here because I'm concerned that some of the church people have vacation clothes Ah, I'm concerned that some of the folks have Friday night clothes and they differ from Sunday night clothes oh my Listen, I don't care if you help me or not. I'm just going to preach your word because I'm compelled. You see, there's an urging in the Holy Ghost. I'm compelled. I might as well just say it. I'm commanded by the Lord. It's not my own word. It's not about me. It's about him. I got to get to Jerusalem. It's a high place. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free. The mother of us all. I know I'm sounding like an old preacher. I'm a young preacher. I just put this gray in my hair just to confuse you. 
Uh I'm a young preacher but I got an old spirit in me and it's not 70 years old it's not 100 years old it's a day of Pentecost old I want to get back to old time Pentecost I'm not talking about 1950 I'm talking about the day of Pentecost when the Lord wrote a new law in the heart and he said hear me I want you to come out of that world and be separate what are you going to do what are you going to do what are you going to do What are you going to do? How are you going to live? How are you going to survive? You won't do it in convenience. Hear me. You won't do it in convenience. And if you're you're shown convenience, it'll appeal to you. But it won't be true. Whatever the truth costs, you make that purchase. And you never sell it. You buy the truth. You buy buy the gospel. Don't ever sell it. Don't ever sell your personal convictions. Don't wait for me to preach what you should be convicted about. Get to the Lord and say, Lord, what are my convictions? What should I... And find out where your pitfalls are. And then have a conviction about keeping yourself. Don't ever give away or compromise your convictions. They're keeping you safe. That's the Holy Spirit speaking directly to you. Not through me, directly to you, because he wants to talk to you and commune with you. He wants to keep you. Don't give up Jerusalem for Dan or Beth. Don't give up. Don't give up that. Elder is going to be 93, September the 4th. Elders 93, and he looked at the choir and said, he said, hold on a second, he said, isn't that a beautiful young group loving the Lord? He says, the joy of my life is to be a church filled with young people who love, this is the words of the elder, who love holiness. See, what you didn't know was that long before you were born, him and many other people were praying that there'd be a church that would rise up right here that didn't care about going to Jerusalem. They never thought that's a lot of work. They never thought it was a lot of labor. They said, it's not too much. Father, I pray for all the people. They may not be led away from the things of this world, but they're going to be led away by false doctrine and false teachers and people who dumb down the truth and dilute the precious holy things of God. I pray against all of that mess. I pray... Let the church rise up in this hour and be separate from the things of this world and deed and conversation and lifestyle at every part. I pray for all of my new believers in this house. Help them just to get closer to you, Lord, every day. Help them make a brand new, fresh, new commitment even while I'm praying for them right now. You spoke to their lives. They're going to take on something. They're going to give up something tonight. Because they're convinced Jerusalem's not too far. 
I wish you would stand with me right now and open up your heart to God. I want you to open up your spirit to God. I want you to open up your spirit to God. 